Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast presented by Odyssey. I'm Bobby Belt from 105.3 The Fan, joined by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. Also, you can hear him on 105.3 The Fan with the G-Bag Nation, Monday through Friday, 2 to 7. Uh, Brian, how you doing? Doing excellent, Bobby. Thank you very much. Always enjoy doing these things with you. Uh, we always come up with some interesting topics, even though it's the off season. You and I not taking any days off. No, no, no days off. No you know, days we're, off. We're still, we're still here. We're going to be churning everything out, making sure we, we've got good, go- good content ready for you guys. And we're going to, you know, obviously we, we're going to get to your Twitter questions like we do every week. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the guys that could surprise and have breakout years this year. But the first thing that was on my mind this week was the Terry McLaurin news yep. and the potential impact that that could have on CD Lamb's future. Um, uh, you know, McLaurin gets a three-year extension for $70 million. It's $23.3 million annually, uh, $34.5 guaranteed at signing. He gets $53 million total guaranteed. And the reason why McLaurin, I think, is a good comp for CeeDee Lamb or, or somebody for us to look at is because McLaurin's obviously within the division. Um, McLaurin has played with five different starting quarterbacks his yes. first two years. Yeah. Uh, CeeDee Lamb's played with five different starting quarterbacks within his first two years. Obviously, a big chunk of that was his rookie year. Um, but then when you look at their numbers, they're incredibly close. CeeDee Lamb's first two seasons, 153 receptions, 2,037 yards, 11 touchdowns. Terry McLaurin, 145 receptions, 2,037 yards, 11 touchdowns. So identical on the yards and touchdowns, pretty close on the receptions. And when you look at the way that agents tend to negotiate deals, like like the, the way they look at something that's, that's a market setter or this or that, I think a lot of people look at that and go, you know, okay, well, this guy just set the market, so the next guy is going to go a little above it, but they don't really, they're, they're kind of guessing as to, to how far above it that they go. Um, typically, the way agents like to do it is, the average annual value as new money as a percentage of the salary cap. So Terry McLaurin making 23.3 million annually would be 11.2% of this year's salary cap. And so the line of thinking would be if Lamb and McLaurin have so closely mirrored mirrored each other these first two years that CeeDee Lamb, if you were to about equal what McLaurin did in his third year, which was 77 receptions, 1,053 yards, five touchdowns, then and if the salary cap were to jump up to about 220 million, about 10 to 12 million dollars, like it reliably has done outside of the COVID year, then in 2023, when CD Lamb becomes eligible for an extension, the floor for his market would be set at roughly 24.6 million annually or 98.5 million over four years. And if he performs above Terry McLaurin's production, his market at that point would likely go up as a higher percentage of the cap. And at that point, you're looking more at like 26 and a half million annually or 106 million over four years. So potentially a steep payday for the Cowboys that they're going to have to pay. But how much of that do you think is dependent on what does CD Lamb do this year? Or do you think they've resigned themselves to, this is our guy, this is our number one, and we're going to have to pay him. It just remains to be seen how much that is. Yeah, I was interested though. What do you think about like the fifth year option though? Does that do anything to your numbers? Um, it would just in the sense of like how it would be spread out over five years because sure. you would trigger the fifth year option. So you'd have the fourth year and the fifth year, and then you tack on three extension years to yeah. it. Um, that was one of the things that the Cowboys didn't get the benefit of in, in getting the DAC deal done when they did right was that they didn't do it before his rookie contract ran up. So they couldn't massage the numbers right. with that extra year and he wasn't a first round pick. So they right. couldn't do it over that. That's why when you heard that Ezekiel Elliott's extension was six years, 
it was actually became an eight-year deal because he already had the fifth-year option triggered on it. And so it was the two remaining years on the contract. So it, it would make it a five-year extension if he got three years tacked onto it or a you know basically a six-year deal if he got four years tacked onto it. So that could massage it, but what would be relevant in the negotiation would be how much new money are you getting, not right. averaged out over the other stuff. And so that's what you'd probably be looking at is by year six, he's probably making around $26.5 million annually if he performs at all above where Terry McLaurin is. So do you think that they're at a point, though, where they're like, this is our guy, he's going to be here for a long time, and it's just at this point us figuring out how much is he going to earn? Yeah, I, I think there's always going to be things that the Cowboys are looking at when it comes to their cap. And, and Stephen Jones, Adam Pacifica, Todd Williams, all those guys that deal with the cap every day, they talk about the spreadsheets and how far out they can project things. And, you know, I think the the things that I was able to gather, and not so much about with CeeDee Lamb, but with like Amari Cooper and others that they had to kind of deal with, you know, his salary and stuff, that pandemic really hurt them on their numbers, on mm-hmm. what they were going to. They had those things projected out to almost the penny, but then you don't get the growth of the cap and others like they projected. So I wonder now if we're going to, if we back to that point where things are going to be back to being caught up, you know, and, and then that, that the value is there. And I, I, you know, to me, I don't know if the Cowboys are going to be willing to pay CD lamb $26 million a year. Mm -hmm. I really don't. And, and, you know, but all this changes, all this changes if CeeDee Lamb has the type of year that we think that, that he's capable of. I, you know, I, I've, coming out of the draft, I thought he was the best receiver in the draft. But then you look at, you know, some of the others, and, you know, especially the kid up in Minnesota, Jefferson, you know, I mean, they've had, he's had a better, so far, I think yeah. a better, you know, I would say a better career, but maybe it has to do with these quarterbacks and stuff you're talking about. I, I wonder, though, I really, really, really wonder if the Cowboys are really going to be interested in paying $26 million a year to CeeDee Lamb. So I know people look at it and they go, well, you, you gave up your, you know, uh, you, you gave up Amari Cooper because you thought 20 million was too much. So, right. so what's 26 and a half? That, that's, that's even more. So again, when you look at percentage of the cap, the cap in 2019 was 182 million. So when he got that extension that averaged out to 20 million annually, right. Uh, what that essentially did was gave Amari Cooper about a little under 11% of the cap. And so you've got a little bit of natural inflation growth that gives McLaurin 11.2 over that. Yeah. But but you can pretty reliably see how teams like to, or how agents like to negotiate these deals. Is like, look, that's how we're going to judge how much the inflation is think, on this. Do you think that, that, that CD's agent's representation is looking at Terry McLaurin's deal as the the benchmark right That's now. That's the floor for them, I think. Yeah, yeah. as a, as in terms of the negotiating so tactic of 11.2%. You, you think that CeeDee Lamb will make more than what Terry McLaurin is making? If he goes at all above McLaurin in his production this year, in his third year, which again, McLaurin was 77 or Oh, no, the numbers are similar. So I mean, if he goes above it, 
then uh, like if he just equals it and, and that's about where he is, then it's very easy to point and say, look, these are the, the same guys in terms of their production. So that's the starting point is going to be so you the think McLaurin. Dallas, you think Dallas is going to start at the floor? I, I think Dallas is going to try and start under that naturally. Yeah. They'll probably go a little bit above it with the idea that they're probably going to settle in around McLaurin's range. And if he goes at all above McLaurin, people then they'll say, look, this was the standard. This is who he mirrored. And he took an even bigger step up right. in year three. This is what you need to pay him. So that's how I think that CD side will, will try to negotiate that. I just kind of feel like that this day and age, and we've seen these receiver numbers explode, you know, it's amazing, you know, how it's all developed. But, you know, to me, I wonder if teams are going to start to look at this and say, we can't give receivers $26 million, $28 million. There's so many of them in the draft. Every year, Bobby, we work on the draft. Mm-hmm. My draft board is so receiver heavy, you know, and I'm like, okay, is, you know, is it worth paying a guy when maybe you have two or three guys on that board that you would absolutely love to have? I, I wonder if you're going to get to, I wonder if it's good allocations of funds. And you and I had this discussion on the radio uh, on today on Thursday mm-hmm. Uh, about that that whole situation about you know you know paying guys and stuff like that especially you know with when you when it comes to you know like positions like wide receivers and then the numbers that you have in the drafts yeah and and i know some people gave us some feedback out there that said y'all are pocket watching it's not your money it's like okay i'm not talking about it's my money, but yeah. also look, you got to remember that there's a limit on what they can spend. So right. it's, it's a question of not, should he get paid this? It's more a question of like, is that what you want to pay that sort of allocation to this guy when you're going to need to fill other positions and, right. and pay for other positions? Right. Is that how you want to, is that the best use of your, your resources? And also it's not so much that we're saying you can't do this or can't do it. It's, it's more also just trying to mirror, like this is the, the types of arguments that the Cowboys are going to try and make in these discussions and the, that they're going to push back against. But you know, I think you're right in terms of do they want to pay him $26.5 million or, or do they want to keep paying these receivers? Probably not. But again, I think the agents would push back on that and go, we're looking at a percentage here. Yeah, it's 26, yeah. but you got to remember the cap's gone up. You guys have routinely over the years paid top-tier receivers oh, no. this chunk See, of it. But, yeah, but yeah. I think you're right in terms of there was a time where running backs got paid more of a percentage too, and they eventually reached it and went, this isn't a, a use of our resources, so we're, we're, we're correcting the market here. Well, I, I think that maybe – you're in a situation too where you look at these wide receivers and they're getting paid, but what is, as they're getting paid, what if they do have continued success? What if all of a sudden, what if you like the running backs, the money that they were getting, you saw the production for the running backs start to dwindle. Mm -hmm. And so the justification of paying a running back was probably not in the best interest, but all of a sudden if, if Hill and, Adams and all these guys that are getting paid, all of a sudden, if they continue on the production that they've had, maybe I'll be absolutely wrong. And, and you know, and if again, if if Lamb is one of those guys that's the production is there, mm-hmm. you know, or is growing, then maybe you know, maybe the justifications of twenty six million dollars, you know, might be an absolute deal. Well, and uh, remember, there there reached a point where tackles were getting or, or you know edge rushers would get paid a certain amount or, or tackles would get paid a certain amount and then it was it, it became an argument on the flip side too where it's like i'm the guy that's tasked with going against that guy whether it be edge rushers are getting paid a bunch of money the tackles need to be mirrored since they're on an island playing yeah. against these guys or 
you know, the tackles are getting paid a bunch of money. I'm an edge rusher that's paid to try and do. I need to be paid See. along those lines. And that's where I think the corner market's going to start doing the same. And eventually teams are going to go, like, we're going to have to start these rising receiver rates that have mirrored rising quarterback rates because it's quarterback throws to receiver. Eventually, it's going to come around on the other side and it's going to go, well, these are the corners tasked with stopping these guys. If you're really good at it, you need to be paid like those guys. And I think that's where you're going to eventually see a correction. The quarterback market will never correct, but the receiver market might. See, but that's what I'm saying, though. When you look at the cornerback market, you know, and the guys like Ramsey and stuff like that, you know, highly paid guys, first round players. But think about a lot of these cornerbacks that have been paid. Mm -hmm. Are they all first round guys? No. See, that's what I'm saying. To me, I wonder if the receivers are going to be the same way. I wonder if it's going to be, we don't have to pay this receiver because we got a guy in the second or third or fourth round that we really, really like. Yeah, and, and you can find quarterbacks in, in other rounds, and people have. Dak, well, yeah. Russell Wilson. Well, cornerbacks, too. Cornerbacks. Yeah, or yeah. yeah. Cor- yeah. cornerbacks as well. I think the that's part of the reason why the quarterback market will never correct those because you can't easily find them. Right. Whereas receivers, you're seeing more and more, that's the talent that the college level is producing. And, and so that, see, that's what I was asking. I think maybe mm-hmm. you misunderstood me. No, I, was saying, I was saying cornerback. Yeah, yeah, okay, gotcha. Cornerback, not mm-hmm. quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. And to me, that that's kind of where, you know, if, if these receivers, if, it, if every time we look up and there's five first-round wide receivers and there's six second round wide receivers Mm -hmm. and there's eight third round wide receivers. I mean, I think that teams are going to say we're finding guys that are just as capable because the development of these guys, you know, now with the way college is throwing and high school football, the way it is, Mm -hmm. the way the, you know, the way the high schools are throwing the football, these receivers, it used to be that receivers were the hardest to the, the, it was the hardest to get them, uh, going the learning curve was the was the steepest. Yep. Because of route running and you know catching and traffic and all that stuff, that's not the case anymore. No. A lot the, of these the concepts receivers, are mirroring. Uh, you know, let's let's see what happens with Tolbert. Mm-hmm. You know that you know the the rookie out of South Alabama. Let's see what happens with him. All of a sudden, you know, maybe you get a situation like it's a Terry McLaurin and you're you know a second, third, fourth round pick. And then you're like, boom, you're hitting it. And you're like, well, okay, why do we have to pay CeeDee Lamb $26 million? You know, I, I, I think that, I think though, as long as the production is there, that, that these receivers are going to continue to get paid. It may, it's not, I don't think it, it might not drop off like we've seen with running back at all. Specifically, uh, really quickly here, just as we wrap up this topic, what does you think being the number one receiver mean for CeeDee Lamb this year? Is this, more time outside is he running a different route tree i mean he's probably getting different coverages more safety help uh in regards first off to to where he's playing he was in the slot for 621 snaps in 2020 that was 84.7 percent of his snaps the the raw snap number in the slot was second in the nfl um he was in the slot for just 269 snaps in 2021 that was 32.3 percent and he was 25th in the nfl so so they already started moving him outside a lot more last year and that's per playerprofile.com or playerprofiler.com uh, what do you think the move to number one looks like for cd lamb is it just volume of targets or are we looking at a, a different route tree or what do you think that looks like i think that you're going to actually see him play I think you're going to see him play at a couple different spots. I don't think you're going to see him just the high volume and just play in a slot. I think you're going to see him on the outside as well. So, you know, it's up to Kellen Moore. 
and Doug Nussmeyer and this crew to find ways to get him involved. I've been screaming all along about if you watched him play at Oklahoma and how he was able to make plays on the move. You know, I would go back. If I was Kellen Moore, I would go back and watch his tape of how Lincoln Riley used him because he was a dynamic player in college football. Mm -hmm. And you could say, oh, well, the Big 12, they don't cover anybody, that kind of thing. No, they created ways to get him open. I think some of the OTA practice, minicamp practices, you've seen him with more, the, the practices he's involved in, the usage has been like the option routes, the quick in and out, you know, kinds of breaking routes. It's looked different. It's looked different. So my hope is that they find a way to kind of, you know, what we see with Cooper Cup, inside, outside, right, left, wherever you have to play to get him free, go do that. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. Uh, Of course, Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. It can be found on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.